prophet. I am the pastor of the Mount Sinai Seventh-day Adventist Church in Orlando, Florida, and I will be your host for this evening. It is my pleasure to welcome all of those of you who are viewing, whether you're viewing on social media, whether you're viewing all over the world, or just the Southeastern Conference family. We welcome you on behalf of our president, Michael Owusu. Uh, we are looking forward to the Word of God tonight that is going to be preached by Pastor Arbenz, Pierre Antoine. We want you to look forward to that. So if you would be so kind as to kick back, relax, and enjoy this wonderful worship experience with Christ, our hope.
let's pray loving father which art in heaven here we are your children to pray and talk to you you said that at any moment we can come and address our request to you in this moment lord we want to tell you thank you thank you for your love Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you because you love us so much that you gave your only son to die for us on the cross. Thank you for hearing our prayer, Lord. We want to present to you tonight your people. We are sinners. We have made so many mistakes in our life, but you are so good that you wash us completely in the blood of Jesus. So tonight we ask you, before asking you for anything, clean us completely in the blood of Jesus and accept the prayer that we are presenting to you. We present your people with your, their needs. Some of them are suffering, some of them are sick, some of them have family problems. But you say, when we call, you answer, that you are always present. We come to you calling, give peace, give comfort, solve the problem, give joy, give everything that we need according to your need. This week is a week consecrated to you. So we are humbly asking, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, listen, hear our prayer. We are praying for the person who will speak tonight. We ask you to bless. May your Holy Spirit empower him so he can talk not his word, but words coming from you. We are praying for the leaders of this conference. You know their needs. They are sinners like us. You honor them in putting them in this position. We ask you, Lord, to bless them, guide them in every decision. May their words, their decision, their action be in harmony to your will. And Lord, as we are getting ready to hear your word, open our hearts. Open our mind. May your Holy Spirit be the leader of our life. And may in every moment we consecrate ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. And you can use us for your glory and honor. You know everything. I have prayed, Lord, but take off my prayer what is not necessary. Add what is necessary. And in the name of Jesus, for the blood that is shared on the cross, cross for us, answer our prayer. We thank you, Lord, for hearing us. We thank you for answering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah.
Beloved brothers and sisters of the Great Southeastern Conference, what a joy, what a privilege to be with you tonight, to share the word of the Lord with you and to participate in this special camp meeting version 2022. And I thank God for allowing me to be here tonight 
and to inspire me for allowing me to 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 share his word with his people i would like also to thank the administration of the conference dr michael owusu the president and the vice president for uh, uh, administration uh, Pastor Pierre Francois, as well as the Vice President for Finance, uh, Mr. Emmanuel Charles. And I, I want also to say a word of greetings to, to, to Pastor Nicolas Lewis, the coordinator of the French ministry. And as I bring you greetings from my churches, Baraka 1 and 2, as well as from my family, my wife and my three boys. So it is a privilege to be here and I thank God for allowing me to be here with you. And as we get into the word, I invite you to open your Bible with me in the book of Mark. And as we as we meditate upon these words in, in relationship with the theme that has been chosen for this great camp meeting, Christ our hope. Let us read in the book of Mark chapter 6, uh, starting with verse 45, we will go all the way to verse 52. It says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he went, the multitude away, while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and it was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at warring, for the wind was against them. Now, about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed he was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. I, and do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you. We recommend ourselves to your care tonight. And we place ourselves under the influence of your Holy Spirit. Sanctify our mouth, our mind, and our body. And may we be an instrument into thy hand to bring your word to your people. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Uh, beloved, uh, the book of Mark is very special in the gospel. Mark uh, kind of work, walks in the shoes of Moses in the shoes of, of uh, this great man of God that marks the, the theology of the Old Testament. Mark begins his gospel placing Jesus in the wilderness that was very significant for him. And Mark explains Jesus that comes to replace John the Baptist just the same way he, he, he throws us back to the Old Testament when Moses started pulling the people out of Egypt and then led them through the wilderness and finally and then God brought Joshua 
in the picture to take the people from where Moses, Moses left to pick them up and bring them to the promised land. So in the gospel, Mark uh, picked up on the same idea, presenting Jesus as the replacement from John the Baptist, for John the Baptist, who started the ministry of revealing Jesus to the people. And when Jesus came, he picked up where John the Baptist left and then took the people to the promised land, to the new earth. So it's pretty much the same idea that we find in the book of Mark. And what makes Mark very special is Mark has a way of putting together the gospel. So he presents Jesus the way Jesus must be seen. What we need to understand in this pericopy is the fact that Mark begins by telling us about Jesus sending his disciples away on the sea in a boat. He got them on a boat and asked them to go before him. When he said, when he had set them, he went on the mountaintop to pray. And as we hear the word, the, the word by the sea, in the middle of the sea, which is very common in the Gospel of Mark, we need to be to be mindful of the fact that I know it is almost universal that anytime we hear about the sea we automatically make reference of uh, a time of peace, of serenity, a time of tranquility. You remember the time you walk by the, by the sea on the shore with your, with your girlfriend or boyfriend, and then you get your feet wet as you walk hand by hand, and then side by side, and speaking to each other in lovely terms. And you remember also, nobody will forget the time you went on a cruise with your wife, and then you, 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 you experienced great romance. So normally, as Anytime you hear about the sea, the first thing that the first images that pop up in your mind is the reality of tranquility, of serenity, of romance, of good time, of delight, uh, of delightful uh, moments. However, it is a little bit different, totally different in the perspective of Mark, uh, the, the the writer of the of the second gospel. Uh, you will agree with me that Mark has a way of presenting the sea and not as a geographical, not much as a geographical location for, for Romans, but a place or a, a set of water that comes for trouble. You will see Mark presenting, introducing the sea in his gospel in, his gospel in the very first chapter, and then he will... Uh, purposefully present Jesus calling his disciples out of or by the sea by the shore of Galilee and by the sea and it is not for it is not uh, 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 for no reason it is it is it is purpose it is out of purpose that Mark will introduce Jesus with his disciples by the sea and and there is a reason for that because in the in the Markan perspective as we see it in the book of Mark all through Throughout this book, the sea represents more a demon-filled, uh, some demon-filled water that come to challenge Jesus, to confront the, the master, and then to challenge the disciples, and to even threaten the threaten the future of the church. That's what Mark is is trying to explain to us. 
the water, the waters, uh, the sea, the ocean in the, in, the, in the theology of Mark is not just a place of delight. It is not a place of women's, but it is a place of trouble. It is a place of challenges, a place where death and trouble or difficult situation are at hand. It is a place where, where you, you would expect somebody to be at peace, to be tranquil. However, when we read the book of Mark, most of the time, what we see is peace. People being on the sea, being challenged as disciples, the church being threatened as uh, as the, uh, in its beginning, Jesus is Jesus being confronted by evil spirit or demons. So what Mark is trying to explain to us is the fact that it begins by using the word "sea" in Mark in Mark the first chapter, and then in chapter four we see Mark framing this chapter with the word C that is in Greek, Thalassa. And the word Thalassa is very close to the word Tiamat in the Babylonian language. Tiamat, that literally means the sea. What it is, Mark is placing us in the context of his time. The time where you understand that the waters, the waters, the sea, because he's talking to the woman. He presents Jesus to the woman. And the woman, they have full control of, of the work of the earth. And they are where they place. They place uh, uh, in the midst of waters. And what is trying to tell us, what Mark is trying to picture for us, is the fact that as we read the Bible, as we read the gospel, and he presents Jesus uh, fighting uh, evil spirit that will come out of the sea. Or anytime he speaks, he will tell you two things that we must always keep in mind each time we are trying to interpret the, the, the word by the sea or on the sea or in the midst of the sea, he will tell you, first of all, the wind was against them. Number one, that means it's a contrary, it's opposition. And the second thing he will tell you, anytime Jesus is about to take care of the problem, of the problems, he will tell you Jesus threatened, either Jesus, Jesus threatened the evil spirit, threatened the sea, threatened whatever it is, whatever comes at him, because Jesus knows that he is not dealing with a mass of water. Jesus is not dealing with natural things, not the creation, but Jesus is dealing with evil spirit, with demons that, 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 that are using the water to wage a war against his church, against his disciples, against himself. So that is the reason why Mark will be very precise in the words that he is using because he wants us to understand the reality of the water not being a geographical location, locale, but a place of challenges, a place of trouble, a place of confrontation between the two great powers of the world, not any power, but God the Almighty and the devil who wants to challenge his power here on earth. So what Mark does, he throws us back to the reality of the creation. 
putting into our mind the reality of the Babylonian, the Babylonian culture or, 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 or version of the creation, the, the Babylonian myth of the creation version where he explained, where they explain it this way, Marduk, the great god of the Babylonians, had to uh, to, to destroy Tiamat, the god of the sea. In fact, Tiamat means the, the, the sea. Therefore, what we have here, we understand according to their version of the creation and according to what we have in the book of Genesis, when God decided, I'm going to create all things and then the, 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 the earth, the universe was filled with water and the spirit of the Lord was, was, was moving above the water. So everything started with water according to what men think. And even though, theologically speaking, the water is not actually O as we know it in the in the book of Genesis in the book of Genesis chapter 1 but what we need to understand that is that God had to subdue the water and call things out of that water in, in that that's where the Babylonian myth is born out of so really what we see is God subduing the waters in the very beginning waters that were kind of uh, uh, in opposition to his will to create things, to call things out of uh, out of out of the, the, the abyss, uh, to call things into existence by his mighty by by his power. But the waters were the waters they were in opposition to that, and God had to subdue the water and to call the earth out of the water, to call the heaven out of the water by separating the waters from above from to the water uh, the water above from the water from below so that's exactly what mark is is trying to paint to us the reality of god confronting the waters water in the in in, in our mind that is not water the arch the h2o that we drink but water that is kind of uh, uh, uh the sea that is that is in other words demon 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 filled waters that come against God. So in other words, what we need to understand, that's why God always ties up the story of Israel to waters. In fact, you will remember when they left Egypt, uh, uh, they had to cross the Red Sea. Uh, uh, number one, not, not only they had to cross over the Red Sea, and then they had to, God had to control and subdue the waters of the Red Sea. And then later on, they will have to face what we call uh, 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 the Jordan River. And then God had to control the, the Jordan River so they could pass again and cross over. Later on, you will see the story of Jonah, how God managed to get Jonah uh, when they threw Jonah in the in, in the ocean, when, when, when the waters got upset, was boiling, and then when the waters stuck high and uh, filling up the boat, they took Jonah, and Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew, because the word Hebrew, the word Hebrew means crossover. That's what God did. The first time you have the word Hebrew, Hebrew in the Bible, it comes from Abraham. Abraham said, I'm a Hebrew, meaning when he crossed, crossed over the big 
the, the, the Mesopotamia, uh, Mesopotamian river to go to go on the other side. So Jonah was in the midst of this, these waters. He was supposed to be dead. He was supposed to die. He was supposed to be destroyed. But God once again subdued the water. Once Jonah got in the water, God sent a fish, a big fish, to retrieve Jonah and to rescue his servant. Because understand that. All their life, the Israelites had to face water in every circumstance, and God always had to come to their rescue and to prove that He is, He is God, and He has power over every element of the universe. So that's exactly what we see in the book of Mark. He framed chapter 4 with the sea in the beginning and sea at the end, Tarsa, Tarsa, which means sea from the Greek word, from the Greek language, and Tiamat, which means sea, which means sea in the Babylonian culture. So literally what we see in chapter 6 is God uh, showing us through the gospel of Mark um, that indeed he still got it. He still has the power to overcome every evil spirit, every demonic power, every devil that plagues our life with all kinds of difficulties. So what he is trying to explain to us is the same thing that he did in the very beginning of, our, of creation time. The same thing that he did to separate the water and to bring and to bring dry land out of the water. He still got it. He still can do it. And you don't have to worry about the situation. So what he did, he sent his disciples before him on the sea. And, and, and then while they were on the sea and then the, the, the evil spirit, the demonic powers, they got together and then they started boiling the water and then to scare the disciples and to kill them all and to destroy them. And Jesus before he, when, when he had sent them away, the Bible said he went on the mountain to pray. Some of us, we don't understand the power of prayer as we move through this camp meeting under the theme, Jesus or Christ, our hope. We must understand that our victory is not possible away from prayer. Outside of a life of prayer, we will never be able to face the demons, the devil, the diabolicals, the diabolical people that are around us. We're looking at the world, we think that everybody is a human being, but what we don't realize, a lot of times we're facing evil spirit in men, in human flesh, and we think that they are human being. Why would somebody kill those many people because they are just celebrating their freedom because they are men they are evil spirit dwelling in men in, in, in human flesh we become sometimes they are just enveloped for evil spirit why would somebody hurt a child unless he is animated or he is possessed by evil spirit just like the waters the disciples they were on the water and the water was calm the, the sea was was it was like they could cruise without any problem, but all of a sudden, the evil spirit got together and messed up the water. And then when the water started going high, the waves 
started roaring and foaming all of a sudden. Things got hard and the disciples could not get out of it. But I'm glad to tell you, Jesus knew what they were going to face. Jesus knew what he was going to face. Jesus knew what he was going to do. That's why when he sent them, he went on the mountain and prayed. He was by himself. Sometimes you need to take time for yourself. Sometimes you need to be by yourself, communicating with God for the challenges that are coming. Just like somebody would tell you, when you have, when you don't feel too good about yourself in the middle of the day, somebody will tell you, did you take your medication? If the medication must be taken in the morning, at noon time, and in the evening, anytime during the day you say, I'm not feeling well, the first question they're going to ask you, did you take your medication? Because you need to take your medication so you have power to face whatever is coming at you during the day. That the same thing Jesus did. Jesus went on the mountain to have a communion and intimacy with his father. And through this intimacy, he had power, he had strength, he had everything that he needed, the might that he needed to face the devil that was waiting for him on the sea and in, in the midst of the, of the ocean. Now, he knew the disciples, they were having a hard time. They could not even move the boat one bit because the water was raging, the water was roaring, the waves were stacking high. They didn't know what to do and they saw death in the middle of the, in, in the, middle of the night. They could not see before themselves. They could not see behind. They could look. They could not look behind and left and right. It was total talk pitch black, yet they could not see not anything whatsoever. But yet Jesus could see them because sometimes we think we must see Jesus in the midst of our trouble in order to have peace. But I come here to tell you, when you know Jesus well enough, you know he is our hope. You know he is your hope. You don't need to see him because if you could see him, you would be at peace. But I come here tonight to tell you what matters is not for you to see Jesus is for Jesus to see you in your pain to see you in your difficulties to see you in your situations to see you when you've been diagnosed with cancer terminal phase to see you when you are in jail to see you when your children are acting up to see you when your husband just walk away from 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 the house to see you in your pain in your suffering in your disillusion, to see you in your disappointment. I don't need to see Jesus that much now. I want to see him when he comes back. But now I want him to see me in my in my situations, in my pain, in my suffering, in, in my disappointment, in my deception. I want Jesus to see me. Because if Jesus has his eyes on me, I know everything is going to be alright. Seeing Jesus is not going to change anything in my situation. But if Jesus sees me. He, I know he can change whatever is coming at me. So that's why Jesus saw the disciples and then Jesus walked I, 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 
out of his prayer moment to go to their rescue. And as he was walking, I love the way Jesus did it. Jesus did not fly to the disciples. Jesus did not take a boat because if he takes a boat, it's a little too simplistic. Jesus did not fly. That would be, whoa, what, what, what's going on? They would not see Jesus as somebody to follow, as somebody to imitate, as somebody to emulate what Jesus did. Jesus just walked on the water. I love this show. I can imagine how proud Jesus was when he's walking on the water. He's walking because you need to understand as long as you see the sea, as long as you see the waters, as long as you see the ocean as demon-filled spirit, demon-filled waters, you know that Jesus is walking on the devil because the Bible says in Psalm 111, and come and sit at my right-hand side until I make of all your enemies your footstool. Jesus knew that his Father in heaven had the power to make of to make all his enemies his footstool so he decided to give a show to his disciples and to teach a lesson to the devil because you should not attack my children you should never attack my disciples sometimes my people Jesus let the devil come at you not because he, he, he hates you but because he wants to teach the devil a lesson because the devil does not have the he, he has the gut to attack you he has the gut to mess with you. Jesus will come in the middle and show the devil, from now on you will never mess anymore with my child. This is my servant. This is my child. Next time you mess up with my child, I'll cut you off. I'll chop your head off and I will bruise your head. So I come here tonight to tell you sometimes what you're going through is a setup from God. So God can show you how powerful he is, how much the devil hates you, and what kind of lesson he's going to teach to the devil. Sometimes God had to send you to the hospital bed. So you think a moment and take the time to spend time with him, to communicate with the Lord. Sometimes you have to lose your home so you know there is a better kingdom waiting for you in heaven. Sometimes you put your hope in too many things that are going to pass away. But Jesus had to bring you back to your reality. You sleep with on top of the world. And when you wake up tomorrow, the world is on top of you. Sometimes God has to put you in tough situation to pass you a test. Because out of your test, he's going to give you a testimony. God has to mess up our lives. Because out of the mess, he will give you a message. A testimony that the world will know. That there is only one through God and his name is Jesus. So you learn not to put your hope in things that are transit transitory. Not to put your hope in things that are surely going to pass away. But to put your hope on the rock of ages. On the solid rock. On Jesus Christ. The one that was. That is. And that is to come. That's the reason why God sent them forward. But he has a plan. He knows they're going to face the devil. But what I love in the text. The text says Jesus moved forward. He walked on the water. That means devil, you under my feet. Problems, you under my feet. Diseases, you under my feet. 
pain you under my feet, uh, difficulties you under my feet, uh, whatever you are, you under my feet. Death situation, you are under my feet. Evil spirit, you are under my feet. People that are backbiting you, they are under your feet. Jesus got the devil under his feet. As long as the moment he starts walking on the water, he said, devil, get thee under my feet. I love the idea that the devil is under Jesus' feet. According to Genesis 3, 15, I don't have to worry about everything nowadays because I know that my God, my God got it. He got my back in my pain, in my sorrows, in my difficulties, in my situation, in my heartache, in my sadness. I can stand on Jesus Christ, the rocking, the, the, the solid rock, and everything is going to be all right. But what I love the most about the text, the text says Jesus did not only walk on water. Uh, he has power. That he is the almighty God. He walked on water just like the, the Bible says in Psalm 89. He says they lift up their voice but he is mightier than the thunder of the sea. They lift up their voice, the waters, but yet he is mightier than the breaker of the sea. He is faithful and his faithfulness surrounds me in Psalm 69 verses 13 and 14. He says deliver me and don't let those who hate me uh, sink me in the waters because the waters are up to my neck. Verse 1 but verse 13 he said let me not sink O Lord but save me from my enemies from the death of the sea. Oh God I know you are faithful and your faithfulness surrounds me and you rule over the surging seas. Oh, I feel like preaching in here. I would like for you to understand that Jesus walked on the sea and he subdued the water in the beginning and he subdues the ocean and this time also to prove to his disciples that he is God. But secondly, to prove to the devil that he is mightier than he is. He is the almighty, the great, great, great God above all other so-called God. And the second thing that I love about the text, they tell me Jesus walked to his disciples, but he was going to pass them by. He was willing to pass them by. But the Bible says when they heard that, they thought he was a ghost. Oh yes, that, that, to add insult to injury, you already have enough with the waters. You already have enough with the winds that are that are against you. You have the devil coming against you. You have the wind blowing hard. You have the water filling up the boat. You don't already know. You already don't know what to do with all that pain, all that sorrows. You don't even know what to how to deal with your situation. And another situation comes. But can I tell you something? Sometimes what you call an added situation is your rescuing situation. What you call added 
problems is the solution that Jesus is bringing you in. I cannot preach like I want it. I would like for you to understand that sometimes what you're scared of is exactly what's going to get you out of your pain. Sometimes what you are afraid of is exactly what's going to bring you out of your situation. I cannot preach like, can I tell you the truth? Sometimes we have a disease and the only way for you to be healed, they have to cut you through and they have to remove the, the cancer. They have to remove the tumor, but you're scared of going on the hospital bed, on the operating room, in the operating room. But I can tell you, without this surgery, you will not be made whole again. Without this surgery, you will not be getting out. That's why Jesus sometimes put your situation even, get your situation worse before he can deliver you. Sometimes Jesus has to put you to sleep so he can cut you off and take whatever is out of whatever is in you that's hurting you God my people I would like for you to understand that they were scared and they started crying out but if they knew what we know today they would start praising the Lord for sending Jesus to deliver them that's why I'm not scared of walking in the midst of fire as long as I have Jesus by my side I'm not scared of being thrown in the means of the ocean as long as I have God by my side because I know God has a fish to pull me out. I'm not scared of going in the means of fiery furnace because if Jesus be with me, I can guarantee you that he will cool the fire. I'm not scared of being thrown in a lion den because I've got a God in heaven that knows how to shut the mouth, the lion's mouth together. Can I preach like I wanted my people? So sometimes, God asked you to make a decision, but you refuse to, uh, to, to move forward. You refuse to get up. You refuse. If God tells you to put your resume somewhere, go put your resume somewhere. Don't you worry about the, the, about, about the interview. He will take care of the interview. If God tells you to get married, go get married. If God tells you to put up to, 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 to put some money, uh, seed money on this house, don't worry about the settlement. Put the seed money. Sometimes we need to dare to move forward with God no matter how dark the situation presents itself. It's not about you. It's not about me. But it's about God. If God says go, I can go. If God says jump, I will jump. If God says walk, I will walk. And sometimes you don't see where you're going. But you don't need to see where you're going because God is seen for you the way God is. God has already paved the way for you to make it to the finish line as I'm moving forward and as I'm moving towards the end of my sermon today Jesus walked upon the sea but the beauty of it Jesus with the almighty the God in human flesh Jesus the spirit of the living God Jesus who dwells in glory in heaven I can understand that Jesus walked on water I can understand that the great creator of the water who knows how to pull dry land out of the of the sea out of the waters he can dry the sea and walk on it but what i don't understand that he Jesus, what I don't understand is not that Jesus walks on the sea, but what I don't understand is what Matthew says in chapter 14. 
Peter wanted to confirm that that was Jesus because he knows the waters are filled with demonic spirit, with demonic, de demonic powers. And then he said, Jesus, if it is indeed you, command that I walk on the waters just like you. What I don't understand, Jesus said, come out and walk. That means this water that was on top of you now is going to be beneath you. This water that was challenging to you now is going to be something easy for you. Sometimes, my people, you've got to get yourself in a mess for you to understand how powerful Jesus can be. Sometimes, Jesus had to let some enemies confront you so you can discover how resilient you can be. Sometimes, Jesus had to put you in the midst of the fire for you to realize that fire has no power over the children of God. Sometimes, God had to let the boss fire you so you can get a better job and when you get that better job you say thank you Jesus and you go back to the boss who fired you and you shake his hand you say thank you for firing me because if you had not fired me I would not be where I am today sometimes you have to fail a class to be the laureate of your promotion sometimes you have to lose a home you lose a house so you can get a home in the name of Jesus that's exactly what Jesus said Jesus said Peter walk I can understand Jesus walking on water but not Peter a sinner not Peter a messed up man not Peter a fisherman all his life he had waters could not walk on them but the moment he, rec he recognized that this is Jesus the moment he walked with Jesus he could walk on the devil he could walk on the serpent head he could walk on scorpions he could walk on on on, on whatever evil spirit and demonic power that are coming against him my people you have more power than you can think you have more power than you even need for your life it's only because you have never been face to face with the devil that you don't know how much power Jesus bestowed upon you but I come here to tell you my people my brethren that if God before you who can be against you God says in the name of Jesus if you believe in me if you have the faith as as small as a mustard seed you will come in mountains to move in the name of Jesus I commend you today to go and take what is yours to walk on the devil's head to bruise his head because not only Jesus can walk on water you and I if we believe in Jesus if our hope is in Jesus you can walk on the devil's head we can walk upon upon evil spirit we can walk upon diseases we can walk upon bad ideas we can walk upon depression we can walk upon sadness and we can walk hand with hand our hands in Jesus's hand all the way to heaven and as I'm closing I would like for you I'm going to suggest something to you I would like to suggest to you that if God could do it in the book of Genesis when he subdued the water and pulled creation out of the water I would like to suggest to you if he could split the Red Sea and then to let his people out of Egypt if he could stop the Jordan River for Joshua to move forward and cross over with the people of Israel if God could do the same for Jonah by sending a fish to rescue him 
from the abyss. I come to tell you, remember I told you, apocalyptic, got it, understand that Mark talking about the sea gives us a clue of the apocalyptic chaos that is to come in the future. And that's why in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, what we see, we see a beast coming out of the sea, a sea beast, that all they call it. But how do I know that's, that is not good? That is bad business. It's because the sea beast had seven heads and ten horns looking just the same as the dragon of Revelation 13. And they tell me that the dragon of Revelation 13 waged war in heaven but was not the best and God kicked him out. He was the dragon, the old serpent, the devil. He called again the devil. So if the sea beast looked just the same as the dragon of Revelation 12, if the sea beast of Revelation 13 looks just is a spin image of the dragon of Revelation 12, that means the Bible says in Revelation 13, in Revelation 13, that the dragon gave him power, throne, and authority. Why? And he is called to make a, to make an image, and then to make an image. The, his one was healed, and then he came back to life, and he was called through the second beast, the land beast, to make an image to the first sea beast, and force the world to worship. We, uh, Christian Adventists, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, we are we know better than that. We know not to worship the beast. We know not to take the mark of the beast. We know not to do certain things, and we are waiting for problems to come. Do you know why? Because we will not bow down. We we will not we will not back out we will continue to worship God and serve him to the best of our ability but the problem is the sea beast will come back alive the lamb beast that represents the United States of America in the prophecy the sea beast that represents Rome and the Bible says in Revelation 17 there's a woman that represents the church of Rome that sits upon the sea beast with seven head and ten horns. I wonder why they come out of the sea. I wonder why the devil threw waters after the woman in Revelation 13. I wonder why in chapter 17 the lady was sitting upon the sea beast and water all around it. It's because water in the in, in, in Markin theology as well as in John theology does not necessarily represent a place. Does not necessarily represent a location. A geographical location, but it represents boundaries, boundaries between the Jewish land and the pagan land, between between Rome and 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 and, and Jewish communities. So God, that's why the devil did not want the disciples to go on the other side of the sea. So he set boundaries. Whenever they are on the sea, he raged war against them to destroy them. But to God be the glory, because when he came with full force with full strength to mess with the church. Jesus walked upon his head. But not only Jesus, you and I, he made us walk upon the devil's head as well. But the beauty is it, in chapter 12, the dragon threw water after the woman. In chapter 13, the beast came out of the sea. In chapter 
17, the woman was upon the sea. But I'm glad to tell you, they set boundaries. They want to destroy the church. They want to destroy you and I because of our faithfulness to the Sabbath day. Because we want to keep the Sabbath. Worship the true God, the creator of heaven and earth. We will not bow down. We will not give up. We will not give in. And those who are faithful, we will win the battle and will overcome. That's why the Bible says in Revelation 7 verse 13, who are those? Who are they that came that are dressed up in white? They are those who come from the great tribulation. They have washed the rub and cleaned it in the and cleaned it in the blood of the Lamb. So we will face tribulation, but we will not lose the battle. We will face persecutions. We will have heartaches. We will have difficult time at the end of day. But I am not worrying about nothing because my God has power and rules over the surging waters. I come here, people, to tell you in a nutshell what's going to happen. In Revelation 17, the beast reappeared and the woman was sitting upon the beast. But in the same chapter, they tell me that the beast went back to the water where he came from. In Revelation 18, the woman was taken care of. In Revelation 20, God burned down the dragon. So in not only the dragon was taken care of, not only the cities was taken care of, not only the church in Rome was taken care of, but I'm glad to tell you when God was done, when God was through burning the devil and all those who side with him, the Bible says in Revelation 21, and I saw, and I saw new heaven, and I saw a new earth, and the new heaven, and the new earth, and the sea was no more. Why? Because the devil is no more. Why? Because the sea beast is no more. Why? Because the woman is no more. Jezebel of Babylon, she is no more. When God is through taking care of the woman, when God is through taking care of the sea beast, when God is through taking care of the dragon, the old serpent taking care of the devil in in the next chapter God said there was no more sea because there is no more boundaries. We are limitless. We're going to heaven. Nothing can stop you anymore. Nothing can stop you from going with Jesus. Nothing can stop you anymore. I'm glad to tell you it is time for you to stop putting your hope in foolishness of this world. To stop putting your hope in your diplomas, in your knowledge, in your bank account that is soon to pass, in your home, in your children, in your husband, in your wife, because they can turn their back against you at any time. You need to stop putting your hope in things that will soon pass away. But myself, I tried all these things and realized that none of them could help me. That's why I decided from now on by experience to put my faith on Jesus Christ. And I love the song that says my hope is built on Jesus Christ. Are you with me? My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest flame but holy lean on Jesus' name. 
name. When darkness seems to veil his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When Christ shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Clad in his righteousness alone, I will stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All the ground is seeking sin. All the ground is seeking sin. If Christ is my hope, if Christ is my solid rock, if Christ is my anchor, I can face the storm because Jesus has the power to weather the storm. My people, beloved brothers and sisters from the Great Southeastern Conference, don't give up, don't give in, don't back out, but stay connected. Put your faith in Jesus and keep your hope on Jesus, the solid rock and everything. I said everything. I said everything is going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I, I want you to know that with Jesus, everything is going to be all right. Pain will be no more because Jesus will come in the midst of our pain. He will pick us up. He will bring us to heaven and say, doors be lifted up and doors of heaven be lifted up so the king of glory may enter. And when we go inside, we will stand before the throne of grace on the sea of glass. We will see Jesus and the sea will be under our feet because Jesus will dry the sea up so we can stand upon it. I may not be able to stand on the sea now. I may not be able to walk on the sea now, but I know soon and later God will give me the power to stand on the sea of glass and to contemplate his glory and to sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Get ready, get ready in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our tribulation. Oh, God says, don't give up, don't give him. Get your eyes upon Jesus, the Savior and the Redeemer and everything in the name of the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Our hope is going to be all right. May God bless you tonight. May God bless you tonight. There is hope for you. May God bless you tonight. There is hope for you. May God bless you tonight. I need to stop, but I can't, but I have to. May God bless you now and forever, and I'll be waiting for you on the sea of glass so you and I, we can stand on the sea, dried up by God, and live with Jesus Christ forever and ever. May God bless you all. Wow, beloved. In the words of the, the disciples as they were headed toward the to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us by the way 
and when he opened to us the scriptures. We thank you so much, Pastor Antoine, for a, a wonderful word up, up from God. We want to remind you that there are uh, exercise, uh, exercises going on at 6, 6 a.m. in the morning. We want you to remember mid-morning uh, VBS at 10 o'clock. And of course, our cooking classes that are going on 6.30 p.m., an hour before our worship service. And you do not want to worship, miss our worship service for, for tomorrow evening. It's going to be a wonderful presentation brought to us by Pastor Corey Johnson. So we look forward to seeing you on tomorrow night. And until then, may God bless you.